You know, in, uh, in our culture and in cultures all over the world, we celebrate what we value. And I don't know about you, but last night was pretty amazing, was it not? So let's give it up. Let's give it up for God for what he did last night in the hearts of so many friends. He brought death to life. And what a beautiful thing that we got to experience. We, we got to see new life, new life in this place. People who weren't following Jesus are following Jesus today because of the work that God did last night. And I want to recognize that I know uh, despite the, the dozens of people who stood up last night, that there are probably some of you in here that are still processing. For whatever reason, the Lord is still working on your heart and you're not quite there yet. Now, I want, I want you to know that's okay. There's, there's nothing magical about decision night. There's nothing that says you have to wait until Heartland 2024 before you give your life to Jesus. You, you can do that at any time. And for whatever reason, maybe, maybe your family dynamics make it hard. Maybe your parents don't believe and you're here and, and you know that if you went home, they wouldn't be thrilled with the idea of you putting your faith in Jesus. Maybe, maybe you go, you, you've gone to a Christian school for a long time, but you're not from a Christian home. Maybe you keep processing the life and the teachings of Jesus and maybe eventually you decide for yourself who Jesus is. And that's my hope for all of you who are on the fence, that you can process the reasons, because the reason is not that Jesus is not who he says he is. We've covered that. Jesus is who he says he is. He's proven it over and over and over again. See, I tend to think the reasons why we don't submit our lives to Jesus are in us. The things that we hold on to, the things that we know we'd have to give up, the friends that we don't know what they would think. And so my prayer for you, those of you who are still processing, is that you would look inside of yourself and figure out what it is that's keeping you from the truth of Jesus. As we get into God's word, I want to pray. Father, thank you for what you did last night. Lord, it was, it was of none of us. It was an act of your spirit. Lord, only you can take hearts and turn them to you. Only you can take dead things and make them alive again. Only you can transform heart and mind. So we praise you. We ask that you would continue to do that as our week unfolds this week up here at Heartland. In Jesus' name, amen. May 9th, 1999. <laughs> Most of you weren't even alive. Probably all of you, except for the counselors, maybe. May 9th, 1999 was an epic day in my life. I was 16 years old, and it was my birthday. And you know what happens on your 16th birthday? Get your driver's license. Unless, like, you don't want your driver's license, then you just delay it until you're 18. But for me, I could not wait until I was old enough to get my driver's license. As a kid, I used to sit in the back of the car in my car seat pretending I was driving. Like, every time my mom would turn, I'd be like, oh, time to turn. And, uh, and I, I imagined that I was the one doing the driving. So this day had been a long time coming. 
And I remember I, I got I got up in the morning and I got ready to go and I, we went down to the DMV and I was so nervous because, you know, you never know who you're going to get or how strict they're going to be or, what, or where they're going to mark off points. And you're like, I didn't do that, but they're, they're the only one that matters. So I get in the car and this guy's got like a tie on and I'm like, oh gosh, this is going to be awful. And, and I, we go around, we do the test and I get back and he says, you missed one. And I was like, one, that's great. Like I get my driver's license. And so we go back inside and he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to have our, our admin people print up your driver's license. And I get my driver's license and something changed that day. Something changed forever. Because if you don't have your driver's license, you lack freedom in your life to go where you want to go when you want to go. And that day I found a new freedom in my life. I, I took my driver's license, I dropped my mom off at home, and I did my first ever solo drive. I, honestly, I drove to like Walmart. It wasn't, it was not like glamorous. It was just like, I didn't even need anything. I'm like, I'm just gonna go people watch at Walmart, which everyone should do, because it's fascinating. <laughs> and I found myself for the first time on the open road. Nothing weighing me down. I could go anywhere at any time. Now, it would have been weird. It would have been weird if I would have grabbed that driver's license, walked out to the car and got in the passenger seat. It would have been weird if I got in the car and my mom drove me home and I never again got into the driver's seat. It would be weird if I got my driver's license, this, this marked moment of freedom, and I never utilized the freedom that I experienced that day getting my driver's license. Nobody gets their driver's license not to drive. It would be weird, and yet Christians all over the country experience a new life and fail to walk in it. See, last night we experienced new life. And this morning we're going to talk about the fact that, that our, our lives in Christ are never meant to be the same as they were before Christ. There's a change that happened. Whether it was last night or last week or last month or last year that you put your faith in Jesus, your life should, be nev should never be the same. Once I got my driver's license, my life was never the same. Once I put my faith in Jesus, my life was never the same. Now to help us on this journey, and by the way, we're going to be in, uh, in John chapter 14. So if you have your Bibles open up, we're going we're gonna to keep skipping rocks. So we're going to go from, from point A to point B pretty quickly. But there's just so much good stuff in the gospel of John. But to help us on this journey this journey of new life in Christ, right? We talked about how, how you're a new creation. And to, to help us on this journey, Jesus gives all of his followers a gift. As you're turning to John chapter 14, I want you to re remember that the root, the root cause of sin is a desire to live autonomously from God, a desire to do life on your own without God. That's the, the root cause of sin. It was in the garden and it is today. Doing life without God, or maybe better said, doing life in the flesh. 
And I think that as we open up to John 14, that's, that's what's on Jesus's mind. Look at verse 16 and following. Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he, he abides with you and will be in you. And so Jesus looks at, at his followers and he says, I'm going to send a, a helper to you. It's not a helper that the world receives. The world can't have the Holy Spirit. The world has no relationship with God whatsoever. But, but for you followers of Jesus, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to abide not just with you, but in you. And, and as he abides in you, this beautiful relationship happens. John 14, he continues in verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He's not just saying, hey, come put your faith in me and then I'm done with you. He says, no, I'm going to give you a means of, of me caring for you as you walk out your faith day by day. Verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. And so what we're realizing is that Jesus is going to insinuate in other places. He's going to say that, that really it's better for him to go and send the Holy Spirit to us. And that's a weird concept because we're talking about Jesus, the God of the universe, who's walking around with these disciples. Yeah, he wants us to know in 2023 that our lives are better because he's no longer walking on this earth. Like it is better that he goes and sends the Holy Spirit to be with us forever. Have you ever thought why that is? Think about Jesus walking on this earth. His inner circle was three. His next circle was 12. And at most he taught a few hundred people. When Jesus is walking on this earth, his, his ability to, to influence people was one to a few. But now, now that he's gone, the Holy Spirit comes and, and now the Holy Spirit dwells in all of us. It's, it's the difference between Jesus being in one place at one time and the Holy Spirit being everywhere all at once. And so what we see is that Jesus says, if you have a relationship with me, I'm going to send this Holy Spirit. In other words, in Christ, when we experience and embrace the gospel, this is what happens. Paul writes about it in Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14. He says, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit, 
of promise. He says, after you put your faith in Jesus, your, your faith is sealed. You can't lose your salvation. There's no more, there's no ability to, for you. You didn't earn your salvation. There's nothing you can do to lose your salvation. The Holy Spirit is what, what, what works inside of you to seal that salvation. And he goes on in verse 14, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Do you guys get that? God has bought you with a price. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. The Holy Spirit called you to him and all you did was say thank you. And if you didn't do anything to earn it, the God of the universe isn't going to let you do anything to lose it. The Holy Spirit is our security and our assurance. Now, if you're in Christ, if you're here, whether you stood up last night, whether you're sitting there right now going, I want a relationship with Jesus. Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. Or whether you accepted him five years ago, if you're in Christ, you are fully forgiven. You are fully accepted. You are fully known and you are fully loved. Now, here's what you got to know. Some of us have a past. Some of us have things that that we sit and we, we start to think to ourselves, if God only knew, there's no way he would forgive me. We look at the things that have gone on in our lives and we, we go, you know what? I'm just too far gone. Those words don't exist to God. There is no too far gone. If you receive Christ again, you are fully forgiven, fully accepted, fully known, and fully loved. That's the offer that many of you accepted last night. And so just like my driver's license, it would be really strange of you to stand up last night, receive Jesus Christ and walk around this, this earth as if you're not fully forgiven, as if you're not fully accepted, as if you're not fully known and as if you're not fully loved. And the cool thing with, when it comes to the Holy Spirit is that he is always with us. He's always with us. We don't have to doubt that. He's with us when, when we feel close to him. He's with us when we feel far from him. We, always, we all have those moments, right? I, somebody told me early in my, my walk with the Lord that if, if the Holy Spirit feels far from me, it's because I've turned my back on him and not because he's turned his back on me. We feel... We feel far from him. He is still with us. When we're doing well spiritually, he is with us. When we're struggling, he's with us. When we're sinning, he is still with us. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Paul writes, he says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? The Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. He doesn't leave and come back. That's the Old Testament. In the New Testament, he is sealed inside of you and your body, your vessel is a, is a, is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So what roles do, what role does the, the Holy Spirit play in the life of a believer? There's, there's two major roles that the Holy Spirit plays in the life of the believer. The first is to convict. Look, 
Those of you who've been walking around loving sin and then you give your life to Christ, all of a sudden you still want sin, but you don't love it anymore. Because every time you do, you get this little tap in your spirit that's going, hey, that's, that's not honoring to God. Hey, that's not God's best for your life. John writes this in John 16, verses 8 through 11. It says, and he... When he comes, the Holy Spirit will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me and concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment because the ruler of the world has been judged. The Holy Spirit brings with him conviction to the life of the believer and to the life of the non-believer. There's a second purpose of the Holy Spirit to guide us. The Holy Spirit is what helps us when we're praying to to know what is God's will for our life, to, to discern. Maybe you've heard the term that still small voice. When you go to God in prayer, the, the Holy Spirit is the one who who points you in the right direction. The Holy Spirit is the one who, through God's word, speaks into our souls. John writes this a few verses later in verses 13 through 15. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he... The Holy Spirit takes of mine and, I, and will disclose it to you. He's, a, he's the mouthpiece of God in our life. Then in John 15, just one chapter before, Jesus tells his disciples what this Holy Spirit is going to help them do in their life as they follow Jesus. John 15, verses 4 and 5, he says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I am him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Walking with Jesus is just that. It's a life abiding in him. The idea of the vine and the branches is that the vine is connected to the branches. The way that they're nourished, the way that they're fed, the way that they bear fruit is not in and of themselves. No, if you cut the branch off, no branch can ever bear fruit on its own. It requires the vine that provides the nutrients, the power, the ability. And there are seasons where you feel close to God. There are seasons where you feel distant. But the Holy Spirit is always with us. John Piper says this of your new purpose. In a new life where you have this new life in Christ, he says this is your purpose. He says man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's the, that's the purpose. If you're, if you're wondering what the purpose of your life is, You can find it in the Great Commission 
But you can also find it in this John Piper quote as he puts all of scripture together and says, your chief end as a follower of Jesus is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So how do we glorify God? What does it look like for us to to glorify God? John 15 verse 8, my father is glorified by this. Well, there's our answer. It's nice when we don't have to read between the lines. It's nice when he just tells us, hey, this is how you glorify God, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. That you bear much fruit. Not that you do it on your own, but that you depend on God to bear fruit in your life. Paul talks about that in greater detail. Galatians 5. I know we're bouncing around a lot, but stay with me. Galatians 5, verse 16. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. In verse 16, that word walk is the Greek word peripateo. You don't have to write that down unless you want to, you know, impress your parents with what you learned at camp. Peripateo, but it means to, to walk about with. The Greek verbs, the tense, the the voice, the mood, it all plays into the understanding of what it means to walk in the spirit. The tense of of the verb is present, which means it's ongoing. It means there's there's no assumption of completion. It means you're not walking to a destination. You're just out for a stroll. The voice is active, which means you're the one doing the, the action. It's not, it's not God dragging you along. It's that you're the one that is, is going on this walk with God. And the mood of it is imperative. It means that there's a potential that you are responsible for bringing into reality. It's a command. It means that that you can do this or you cannot do this, but the Lord is telling you to do this. And there is a, there's an end result that you have the responsibility to bring about. And so what he's saying is, as a follower of Jesus, when you walk in the spirit, you're, you're, you're doing life with the Holy Spirit. You're acknowledging him. It's, it's kind of like as you go about your day, you sit down for that test and you go, God, I'm with you. And I know you are with me. Work through me. It's, it's that idea of, of constantly praying, walking in the Lord. It's an ongoing process because in Galatians 5, the very next verse, in verse 17, he continues, For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another. So you may not do the things that you please, We've been talking a little bit about the flesh and the spirit. It's like a tug of war. You got the flesh on one side and the spirit on the other, and they both can't win at the same time. So if you're walking in the flesh, you're not walking by the spirit. If you're walking by the spirit, you're not walking in the flesh. The way that it works is that we embrace the gospel at a point in time. And I think that's the thing we, we all really understand. I think that's the thing, that's the part of the gospel we all kind of get, right? There's that moment, that decision night, if you will, that, that day on the floor in my bedroom where, where we embrace Jesus as our Lord and Savior for the first time. We embrace the gospel at a point in time, but the gospel is so much more than that. The gospel also is us embracing it over time. 
Every day that I wake up, the gospel washes over me. Without the gospel of Jesus Christ, I will only live by the flesh. I will only walk by the flesh. And so, so when we're walking with him, that's the work of the spirit. But when we recognize that we're walking alone, that's also the work of the spirit pointing out, hey, I'm right here. It's me, God. It's not us. I'll remind you what Romans 3 says in verses 10 and 11, as it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God in the flesh, which is our default state. In the flesh, we don't think of God. We don't pursue God. We don't walk with God. So there's this ongoing battle that you and I face in the Christian life to walk in the flesh or to walk in the spirit. So how do we know which powers at work in our life? I think it's moment by moment. I don't know a, a day where I've only walked in the spirit. I know that there are times where I'm walking in the spirit throughout my day and there are times where I'm walking in the flesh and walking in the flesh does not mean I'm actively sinning. It just means I'm actively not depending on God. Galatians 5, Paul writes more about this in verse 19 and following. He says, now the words of the flesh are evident. The works of the flesh are evident. Here's the works of the flesh. You ready? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And do such things, the NASB says practice. That's the translation. NIV says those who live like this. The idea is that it's present and active in your life. Not that you've done it in the past. Not that you struggle with it. I mean, Christians struggle. I think the idea of struggling is evidence that you're walking with the Lord. It's those who don't struggle. It's those who, who are presently, actively, habitually living these things out as a way of life. Now, you can't lose your salvation but you can think you have salvation and never have it in the first place. There's something called a camp high. Have you ever experienced it? Get away from all the distractions. Your parents aren't nagging you to take out the trash. Cell phones don't work up here. No TV, no movies, no be real. And you get up here and something happens, something changes. But some of you have been making this decision to follow Jesus every year since you were in junior high. 
you stand up and you say, I want to follow Jesus. The last two days of camp, you're like, yes, I'm in. You go back to your phone and your friends, your parents and your idols. And all of a sudden, the decision you made up at camp needs to be made again the next year. And it's not that you've lost your salvation. It's that you made an emotional decision to stand up at camp. It's why I, I try to take the emotion out of it as much as possible. It's why I try to just present you with God's word and let you decide how you want to respond to that. But I want you to remember what John says in chapter 15, verse 8. He says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You may stand and receive salvation here at camp, but your salvation is proven over time at home as you bear fruit through obedience, as you bear fruit through devotion, as you bear fruit toward, through evangelism, as you bear fruit towards, uh, through walking with the Lord doing life with him. So what do we do when we notice the deeds of the flesh? Because I, I want you to know that it, deeds of the flesh are not simply evidence you don't have salvation. You might have salvation, but the flesh and the spirit are in this constant tug of war. Me as a pastor, I, I live my life sometimes by the flesh and you will too. So what do we do as followers of Jesus when we notice when the Holy Spirit says, hey, you're, you're living your life by the flesh? We repent. We say, oh God, I need you. God, I was operating alone out of my own desires, out of my own flesh. And we remember that God is a God of grace. And we thank him for that grace 1 John, one of John's letters, he writes in, in chapter 1, verses 6 through 10, if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. You get that, right? If we say that we have fellowship with him, if we say we're saved and, and we say that we have a relationship with Jesus, but we walk in the darkness. We continue to love the sin that's in our lives. We continue to walk without being transformed. We lie and we don't practice the truth. But he says in verse seven, if we walk in the light as he, is in, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. Verse eight, if we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, some of you are like, whoa, confess my sins? Like to somebody else? Let them into the darkness that I've been walking in. Let them know what's on my phone. Let them know what's in my mind. Let them know what I've done. If you want me to confess my sins to who? But look at this. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Other, where, uh, other places in scripture, the Bible says, if we confess our sins and pray for one another, 
we will be healed. If we confess our sins and pray for one another, we will be healed. Confession is not a negative thing. Confession is openly admitting that you needed the grace that Jesus has given you and that you continue to need it. Paul writes in Galatians 5 about the fruit of the Spirit, the ways we can see if we're walking in the Spirit. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. I don't know about you, but I don't exhibit any of those naturally. Like before Christ, those were not things that marked my life. Self-control? Oh no, no chance. Faithfulness to what? Kindness? Man, I was a turd to my brother. I promise you that. But it's God's work in my life that I start to see these traits. I start to realize that the Holy Spirit is at work. And so if that's what we do when we notice that that we're living in the flesh, what do we do when we notice the fruit of the Spirit in our life? Well, we thank God. We thank God. We, we, we go to Him. We say, I see you, God. I'm with you, God. I'm grateful, God. And as we embrace the ongoing work of the gospel, he frees us from the slavery of our impulse and our desire. The, the flesh is no longer has mastery over us. We have the spirit of God in us now, which means we're never alone. Think about that. No matter what your home life is like, no matter how many friends you have or don't have, no matter how much you feel like an outcast, you're never alone. Those are the people Jesus ran to. Those are the people Jesus spent time with. Those are the people Jesus ministered to. Those are the people Jesus healed. Those are the people Jesus loved. Those are the people Jesus cared about. Those are the people Jesus wanted to surround himself with. The more of an outcast you feel like, the more you're Jesus's people. He loves you. We're never alone when we're walking with God. Paul continues in Galatians 5. He says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That word if, it's better translated since. The idea is that Paul is assuming that if you have a relationship with God, then you are walking by the Spirit. Not constantly, but that there is a, a marked change in your life. And he says, let us, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The idea is to, to keep walking. The word there in the Greek. Oh man, you guys are getting a Greek lesson today. I didn't even, didn't even remember this. Okay, the, the word there is stoicheo. Soikeo, and it, it simply means to bring into alignment, to line up back into order. And the idea is that if, since you're marked by the Spirit, 
then regularly bring your life back in line with the Spirit. Bring ourselves back into the alignment with God's design, with his word. Allow God and his word to be the authority over our lives. And so he says in verse 16 that the ways that we do the ways that we do life in the spirit is that we remember that you are never alone. So we do life with him and that we remember in verse 25 that he's given you his word to know and understand God's design for him. That same spirit of God that inspired the text is the same spirit that illuminates the text in our hearts. When we go to God's word, the Holy Spirit illuminates it for us. And so I want to invite you as a means of God's grace in your life, I want to invite you to enjoy a few of those means. Maybe for the first time, maybe you're good at them. I don't know, but the first are some practices that will help open you to the Spirit. We're going to talk more about these tomorrow morning, but the first is regular Bible intake. I want you to notice I did not say daily quiet time. I did that on purpose, and we'll talk about that tomorrow, but but I, I don't I don't think looking at reading your Bible should be approached in a legalistic way. Jesus wasn't legalistic. Jesus is a God of grace, but I think when we, when we make it legalistic, we make it something that's unattainable. We make it daily. When we get a few days in and we haven't done it, we start to feel things that Jesus doesn't want us to feel about ourselves. Regular Bible intake, a means of God's grace, but also honest prayer. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and they sinned, they hid. They thought that they could hide, they could hide the, the very sin in their hearts from God and that he wouldn't know where to find them. And as God walks through the garden, he knows exactly where they are and he calls to them. He knows that they're hiding. A lot of times we act like Adam and Eve and we think that, that God doesn't know the deepest, darkest parts of our heart. But not only does he know them, he longs for us to share them with him because those are the very things that put Jesus on the cross. Those are the, the things that God knew about ahead of time. They're the things that God saved you from. And so as you enjoy regular Bible intake, as you enjoy honest prayer with God, you get to walk out this messy, um, this messy life with God in community with others, the people who you came to camp with or the people who are back home in your community, a committed uh, local Bible teaching church that's Christ-centered. There are a lot of churches that are not. You have the responsibility in your life to put yourself and I believe, I've talked to your youth pastors, I believe that, that the people who are here are, are biblically rooted and Christ-centered churches, but you have to make sure that those are, the, those are the churches you're finding as you continue to live out your faith. See, God offers us grace. He provides God's word and God's spirit and God's people and God's church as a means for us to walk out our life with God. You, before Christ, you were dead, and now you're alive. Before Christ, you were an orphan, and now you've been adopted into the family of God. 
my urge to, my, my urgency to you, my, my hope for you is that you don't continue walking like an orphan when now you have a father. God, we are so grateful. We are so grateful that you snatched us out of hell that you saw down and you saw value no matter how much we feel like outcast no matter how much we feel loved lord you saw value in us and lord i just i pray for everyone here that as we walk out this faith that that this that last night or that the day that they put their faith in jesus wouldn't be the end but the beginning of a beautiful new stroll with you Lord, continue to grow us. Continue to put your arms around us. Continue to convict us and guide us through the work of your Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.